0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, follow us wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked On Mets. The New York Mets just finished up their game against the Arizona Diamondbacks, hit and record at about 1.20 in the morning. And that's what we're going to call a West Coast Winging It podcast. Usually got these things planned out, buttoned up, ready to go for you. Know exactly what I'm talking about today. We're winging it because it's a West Coast trip. I'm on the East Coast. And the Mets just lost a game that was pretty frustrating. Before we get into the Winging It podcast, I'm your host Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmorizeOnline.com. So a good place to start, I believe, would be to talk about Marcus Stroman. Now you could say he gave up three runs; it's his fault he gave up a three-run homer. But come on, the guy's been awesome this year. Even after giving up three runs tonight, he has a two-six-six ERA. It was a quality start; six innings pitched, gave up seven hits in Arizona, where any ball hit in the ground has a chance to roll all the way to the fence because of how fast that field plays. And so you look up, and at the end of the game. Yeah, three runs. You would have loved to see him just pitch a shutout and go deeper into this game. But through five, he was awesome in the sixth. Gave up a couple of hits. Ultimately, Pavin Smith hit the three-run homer. And that really was when this turned into a ball game. The Mets were on a five-game winning streak. They were in cruise control mode. Early on, you have Dominic Smith hits a two-run homer in the fourth inning. Francisco Lindor hits a triple off of the wall. That scores Jonathan VR and you're thinking, all right, this team is clicking on all cylinders. They have a four nothing lead going into the bottom of the sixth. You thought for sure they were going to get a win. That six that would have been six in a row. And then you know you have one more game in Arizona before you head out to play the Padres. But that doesn't happen here. And at some point, you just tip your cap to the opponent. Yes, you would have loved to see the Mets put up more than five runs, or at least more than four in the normal time of the game before it went into extras. But was it a bad offensive performance for the Mets tonight? I don't know if I can necessarily say that. I mean, you look up and, yeah, okay, there are one for eight with runners in scoring position. That's not great. But, you know, all the guys, you, you look up, okay, VR, one for four. He didn't have the best game, actually. And, again, as you can tell, winging it podcast. But Jonathan VR, if I'm allowed to criticize him, I know fans kind of jump on me for that. He got picked off in this game. He made an error. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't outstanding, but he still got a hit, still scored a run, still drew a walk late in the game. Uh, his last at-bat, he hit a line drive out into the outfield, and extra is not the worst at-bat in that spot. Lindor goes one for five. You would have liked to see him come through a little bit more, but he had the big triple. Pete Alonzo, one for three, drew a walk, scored a run. Dom goes one for two has three RBIs in this game, and draws a walk. So, you know, your main guys up top, you know, all went out and and had pretty solid games. Tomas Nito was 0 for 4. Uh, You had Billy McKinney 1 for 4, Jose Peraza 0 for 4. Mason Williams 0 for 2. I, I mean, yeah, I guess the one place you can criticize is the offense. And maybe you could call out a little bit of the, the pitching at the end of the game and Edwin Diaz and Trevor May. But even that, it's tough to be too critical. You go to the ninth inning. Mets are clinging to a what was it, a 4-2-3 lead at the time going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And Edwin Diaz comes in to replace Aaron Loop, strikes out the first batter, gives up a base hit off the bat of Nick Ahmed, Billy McKinney, Makes a mistake, doesn't field that ball cleanly out in right field. That allowed Ahmed to get to second base. He then gets a ground out, so there was two outs in the inning. And then Josh Rojas gets a line drive base hit that ties the game. A couple of singles, gave up a blue pit also after that. It's not like Edwin Diaz got rocked. He has been perfect in save chances up to this point. At some point, your closer is going to blow some saves. I know Mets fans expect their closers to be perfect, but... That's just not a reality that you live in in baseball. At times, he's going to make some mistakes. You look up, and right now on the season, Edwin Diaz has a 3-3-8 ERA. He's 9 for 10 in save chances. He's been okay. I don't really blame him too much for this one. Obviously, he didn't get the job done. But again, sometimes the opponent just beats you. And that's really what happened here. I think the one place you can really critique as we're diving deep into this game is the decision to go with Trevor May in the bottom of the 10th inning? The Mets were able to score a run in the 10th inning as James McCann came in with the ghost runner on second base. McCann comes in as a pinch hitter, immediately laces a double into the right field corner over the first base bag that scored the ghost runner, and the Mets had a lead. So you go into the bottom of that inning, and Trevor May has to come out after throwing over 30 pitches the night before. He looked gassed from the beginning, didn't have it. The Mets could have gone to Seth Lugo. I understand Rojas wants to ease him back and putting him out there in a high leverage situation with a runner on second base. Might not have been the best recipe for success, or maybe it would have been the best recipe for success, but maybe not the best idea for Lugo's health and and easing him back into the flow of things. But I would have liked to see him in that spot. Or even Drew Smith, because Drew Smith has had a really nice year. He was definitely more fresh than Trevor May was. So I guess that would be the one place I would quibble with what happened here. But the Mets have been awesome lately. So you got to give them a free pass to lose the game every now and then. The onus is just on them to go out and win the final game of this series with David Peterson on the mound going against Madison Bumgarner. That's what's going to happen tomorrow. In a minute, I think I'll do some deep dive into Dominic Smith. As again, this is the Wing It West Coast podcast as I am just trying to get to the pillow tonight, but still giving you that locked-on mix content you come out here for. So we'll talk about Dominic Smith because he's had a little bit of a resurgence late. And then off the top of my head, I think we'll dive into the bullpen. Let's look at Trevor May and Juris Familia and their season so far in the final segment. We'll get to all of that in just a minute. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long cut in pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to, but without the tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, which is the purest form of nicotine available. I know for me, dip has been associated with the game of baseball for as long as I can remember. I have so many friends who started dipping on the baseball diamond, and it soon became a staple of their everyday life. Now I tell them, Try Fully Loaded Chew because it tastes and feels the same as your traditional smokeless products, but it is made without the tobacco, so it's so much better for your health. This is the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. Other nicotine pouches are dry, white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Mets listeners a special offer because right now you can try a can for just $1. $1. That's right, just one dollar. So go to www.fullyloadedchew.com, use the promo code Locked On, and just one dollar, also with free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at fullyloadedchew.com. Have you guys ever heard of sports trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. Making money with sports trade is as simple as a player values rising and falling based on two factors. Their statistical performance in each game compared to their projected fantasy points in that game, and the supply and demand. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, you can choose that penny stock in a rookie who has huge upside, or you can grab the blue chip vet who's always been a solid performer. You can then instantly buy and sell as many shares as you like and as many players as you like, Just like the stock market and then watch your players battle it out and your portfolio rise in value. Simply go to sportstrade.com and watch the How It Works video and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. All right, so our Wing It West Coast podcast continues as we'll talk a little bit about Dominic Smith. If you go to the start of the season, Dom was really struggling offensively. He batted 206 in April, had a 225 on base percentage, a 324 slug percentage, did hit two home runs, and have two doubles, but overall just was not seeing the ball well at the plate. Well, now you look at what he did in May 85 at bats, he batted 282. With a 365 on base percentage and a 341 slugging percentage. By the end of the month, he had his average all the way up to 248 on the season, his on base percentage to 305, slugging percentage at 333. None of these match the numbers we saw Dom produce last year. Last year, Dom was amazing. And if you hear my keyboard typing, once again, wing it Wednesdays or wing it West Coast trips. See, I am even tripping up on my own bit. Anyway, last year, in two thousand and twenty, Dominic Smith in fifty games batted three sixteen with a three seventy seven on base percentage and a six sixteen slugging percentage with a nine ninety three OPS, OPS plus of one sixty seven. He got MVP votes. He had ten home runs in the fifty game season. He had twenty one doubles in the fifty games. Let me say it again, twenty one doubles. So altogether, in fifty games and one hundred ninety nine plate appearances, Dominic Smith had. What is it? Wing at West Coast day. It is 32 extra base hits. This year coming into this game, he only had nine extra base hits. So that's been the biggest difference with Dom this year. It's been the power. And so what we've seen as he's gone to Arizona, we've seen a little bit of power. Two doubles in yesterday's game tonight. Hit a home run. Had the three RBIs. So maybe he's starting to come out of it. And I do wonder if getting Pete Alonso back is a big boost to his confidence here because now not only do you have another big power bat in the lineup that carries some of that burden, but I think you also get that kind of intercompetitive nature. I don't think that these guys are adversarial in any way. I think they're great friends, but I do think that they can feed off of each other's energy at times. So if Pete starts to go well, maybe Dom will follow suit. I think that can really help this team because they need the Dominic Smith of last year. There's a reason he's been playing left field every day or we're supposed to going into the season. Right now, I mean, he's been on left field every day because what's been behind him, right? So no matter how much he struggled, his spot was always going to be there in the lineup. But the idea behind the ceiling of this team, when everyone comes back and... You have Kevin Pillar, Brandon Nemo, Michael Conforto, all those other outfielders at your disposal. The reason why Dom will continue to get into the lineup is because of his bat, not because of his glove. I mean, you look at the glove. and Maybe I should pull this up. Let's go to his Fangrass page. Uh, at one point this season, um, Dom had was worth three defensive runs saved, which was leading the Mets when it came to all of their position players in that metric of fielding. Now it is... One defensive run saved, so he's gone down a little bit since then. What we've seen with Dominic Smith, he's not a guy who will wow you with his range in the outfield or even his arm in the outfield. But what's been great this year is that the Mets have gotten into the advanced analytics and they're positioning their guys in a way that Dominic Smith just has to make the catches. I mean, he is seemingly always in the right spot where balls are getting hit right to him, and all he's got to do is make sure he squeezes the glove and makes those plays out there, he has looked a lot better. But I do think a large part of that, along with his hard work, I'm not taking anything away from him, but I do think it's the combination of the work he's done learning the position and the Mets' use of analytics so that they are putting him out there and putting him in the right spot so his lack of range isn't coming back to haunt the Mets. With all of that being said, if Dominic Smith wasn't hitting for power, At the end of the season, if you had Brendan Nemo back, if you had Michael Conforto back, and you had Kevin Pillar back, or he is back, but Kevin Pillar hitting at a high level still, there might eventually be a temptation to go with the defensive outfield of having Kevin Pillar out there, Michael Conforto, and Brendan Nemo. But the difference between that team and the team the Mets would like to get to is Dominic Smith can break a game open with his bat, and... In this game on Tuesday, he almost did with his three RBIs, but didn't quite get enough done around him. That is what the Mets are hoping for, is that this recent surge in power can carry over. You're looking right now on the season, and wing it West Coast Day, not sure if I already mentioned his season numbers, but his slugging percentage is at 333 for the season right now. So that needs to get... Well, over 400 for Don to be where he's been throughout his career as his career slugging percentage is 464, and that's including some really bad years his first two seasons in the big leagues. But in 2019 and 2020, we saw someone who was slugging well over 500, had that power, and was really bringing that punch to the lineup from the left side of the plate. The Mets need to get that guy back if they really want to reach their ceiling, and I've been encouraged with what I've seen. Over the last couple of games, it has been in Arizona. The Diamondbacks don't have the best pitching staff. They're leaving a lot of hanging pitches over the plate, but you got to hit those pitches, and Dom's done that recently, so hopefully that carries over when he sees some better pitching in San Diego. With that being said, segment two of the Wing It West Coast podcast is in the books. We'll talk about Teresa Familia and Trevor May in the final segment, as they're kind of having a tale of two seasons. Familia has performed better than expectations, may may be slightly below expectations, even though he has been pretty solid overall. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football's been over for a while now, but the NBA playoffs is in full swing, as is the NHL playoffs, and Major League Baseball, of course, is in the middle of their season. So bet online has you covered. For all those sports, they have awards TV shows and reality TV as well with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered. For all the new scores and odds, the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so here we are in the final segment of the Wing It West Coast Podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about some relievers, Trevor May and Jarese Familia, who both pitched in this game. And for Familia, he dealt with some adversity as he walked a batter. That runner went over to second. I'm actually not positive. Let me go back to the box score and check. Winging Wednesday, got to love it. That's what I think happened, but does memory serve me correctly? Uh, Familia pitched in the seventh. If I'm not mistaken, Jarese was in. Ah, there was the fielding error. That's what it was. See? It Wednesdays. Fielding error by Jonathan VR. That's right. And Nick Ahmed went to second base on the throwing error. There was the walk later in the inning by Familia, but he got a ground out, a line out, and ultimately struck out the final batter to work his way through the frame. Now that we've recapped what he did in this outing, let's just talk about what he's done this season. Because Jarese Familia has turned the clock back to 2015 in a way that nobody could have imagined. In the offseason, I was talking about how the Mets had this situation with Familia and Batantis where you really couldn't expect anything out of them and it would be something to watch throughout the early parts of the season because the Mets had added so much pitching depth that they were real candidates to get DFA'd if they weren't pitching well. And Familia has gone out, and basically become maybe the most valuable reliever in this Mets bullpen, I mean, he has just been exceptional. I'm no longer fearing when he gets into the game. He has a 2.04 ERA in the season, but I think the best part is only nine walks in 17 and 2 two-third innings pitch. Uh, you look back at his walk rate in previous seasons, and or at least most recently, in the last couple of years and once again wing it Wednesday got to find it got to find it walk rate right. you got to go to fangraphs for that stuff hope you guys are enjoying this element of locked on mets today as we wing it for the west coast trip uh so you go back to last season his walks per 9 in 2020 was 6.41 in 2019 his walks per 9 was 6.30 this year And this is not including this game. His walk rate's down to 4.32 per nine. So that is definitely a huge improvement over what we've seen previously. Familia still has yet to give up a home run this season. And you look at some of these advanced metrics. His fastball velocity at 31 years old in the 92nd percentile. Expected slugging percentage is in the 93rd percentile. Barrel percentage, 97th percentile. They're only barreling him up this year 2% of the time. You look at chase rate, 81st percentile, walk rate overall, he's still in the 30th percentile. But last year, he was in, you know, the like the 1 percentile. He was walking more batters than almost anyone out there. So that is a huge improvement from what we've seen previously. He is able to attack the strike zone again. He is throwing that heavy, sinker that is just so hard to hit you look at what he's done this season the expected batting average on his sinker is 212 on his slider it's 201 on his fastball it is 218 so guys just cannot square him up and get hits off him this season he's putting batters away at a pretty good clip he has what is it now 20 strikeouts and 17 and two third innings pitch he's been awesome he really has been and I think if the Mets got this version of Dries Familia in 2019, there's no doubt in my mind that that would be a playoff team. So you're looking at what he's providing. And right now, if you did a pecking order of relievers and who Rojas trusts right now, I'm having problems naming too many guys ahead of Familia. I mean, Edwin Diaz is your closer, but I think in some respects, Familia is having the better season. And in a weird way, you're starting to trust him more. The same can be said about another reliever who's supposed to be in that setup role, which is Trevor May. Overall, he still had a very solid season. But this has been a really rough trip to Arizona so far for May. He's given up four runs, uh, only three of them earned because one of those runs was the Ghost Runner tonight. His ERA has gone from 2.50 heading into the series to 3.79 after giving up those runs. And if you look at what he's done all year, he started the season, gave up two runs, or two earned runs, I should say, three runs in his first appearance. Then he went on a streak of 12 straight appearances without allowing a run. Then he's given up some runs sprinkled throughout May on the 11th. He gave up a run, had a scoreless appearance on the 14th, gave up another on the 17th, another one on the 18th. He then had a scoreless appearance when the Mets were in Miami, another one back at City Field against the Rockies, and then obviously things have fallen off here in Arizona. But you look at what Trevor May has done this year and what's maybe different from years past, and I think a great indicator is to look at his whip. So in 2018, Trevor May's whip was 1.03. 2019 was 1.07. 2020, it was 1.16. And if you don't know what whip is, that is walks and hits over innings pitch. So how many base runners are you giving up per inning? You want to have that whip as close to one as possible, if not under, that's where elite pitchers usually live like Jacob DeGrom. So you look at Trevor May, if he can get that whip to around one, which is what he's done over the last three years, as close to that as possible, that's where he gets his best results. Earlier on in his career, when he was struggling as a twin to start off, that whip was a lot higher. First season, 2014, his whip was 1.77. He had a 788 ERA. 2015, the whip was at 1.33. His ERA was 4. 2016, whip was at 1.31. ERA at 5.27. So, a very clear indicator between whip and ERA. In this season, what we're seeing is his whip's at 1.42. So, that is a big jump from where it was in Minnesota. Doesn't mean it can't change, and it probably will change if he gets back to pitching the way we've seen him throw at certain points this year. But that's definitely something to watch. And I also, again, didn't love him getting this appearance tonight. I just think he already struggled in Arizona against this team the night prior, gave up the two runs, gave up three hits, didn't even get out of that inning. So you send him back out again, and I understand there wasn't a lot of options out there You wanted a high-leverage guy ready to go. And he's supposed to be that guy. Don't get me wrong. When Edwin Diaz isn't closing games, when you started the season, Trevor May would have been second in line. And Familia had already pitched in this game. So who are you going to go to if not Trevor May in that spot? I already talked about maybe you could have gone to Seth Lugo. Rojas didn't want to put him in there with a runner on second base, that high-leverage situation. I can kind of understand that. You don't want to trust the youth of Drew Smith. So maybe that's where he goes to May. But it just looked like the guy was gassed out there tonight. It really did. And it's a really tough spot. The the extra inning rule, when you are the road team with the extra inning rule, you got to put up a crooked number. Let's start there. That one run means nothing. It, It really doesn't. Because all the momentum is on the home team side to walk it off. With that extra inning roll. And that's what the Diamondbacks did. So once the Mets start off the top of that inning. With James McCann's double. You really need to find a way to get him in. Because all of a sudden. You're sitting at that same position you started the inning with. With a runner on second base. Nobody out. And the Mets really needed to get that runner over. I wouldn't even have been opposed to, to bunting him over. And then trying to get the sack fly in that spot. The Mets opted for Brandon Drury to swing away. Ends up getting out. And, and ultimately... I think that cost the Mets. Who knows? The inning could have played out the exact same way in the bottom half. Trevor May struggling and the Diamondbacks scoring more than the the runs required, or at least the runs that were required to win the game tonight, which was two runs. They probably could have got a third. I mean, Reddick doubled into the corner. Two runs came in. He was either going to be on second or third. There's only one out. Chances are the Diamondbacks win this game anyway. But I just didn't like... Some of those decisions, at the same time, who am I to criticize a manager that has taken this team in particular and brought them to 26-21 and this year? So when we look at this game and when we look at Trevor May, I don't think that this is a sign of bad things to come. I think Trevor May can get back on track. I would absolutely not pitch him in the final game of this series. he got to give that arm some time to rest. But I think he'll be good to go by the time they get to San Diego. I wouldn't avoid pitching him in high leverage spots. I still trust his stuff. I still trust his process. That he's going to get back to where you want him to get. And I trust Rojas to make those decisions. It's just a game tonight that didn't go the Mets way. Maybe things will break better for them in the final game of this series. You really have to win it though now. You can't let both games slip between your fingers here. And then go out to San Diego. Because I think... Over the weekend facing that team, you're almost aiming just to get a split in the four-game series. So as long as you win the final game of this one, you can have a winning week. If you lose this one, split the four-game series over the weekend. That is a losing record this week. And also, you just want to build up some better momentum heading out to San Diego. To lose this one when the game was in your hands and then if you were to lose the, the final game of the series, it's just not the way you want to head into a series that's kind of important against the Padres. Because the Padres are going to be one of these teams that you would expect to maybe be in the playoffs. You might meet them in the playoffs. And that will be kind of a measuring stick series. So you'd like to be feeling as good as possible as you head into that. Anyway, that was today's West Coast Winging It podcast. As this East Coast podcaster signs off at about 2 o'clock in the morning. Anyway. That'll be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets. And if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes, check out the Locked on Today podcast. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, Locked on Today updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.